Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Thanks for listening to Food for Thought, everyone. Welcome back. Vision is often described as a picture of a better tomorrow. Visions for the future are normally big, like a concept, that are followed by ideas that are smaller and perhaps more practical in application. Ideas serve as a roadmap on the journey to the concept that is envisioned for tomorrow. Here at Food for Thought, we talk about try, learn, fail, repeat, and mix in a bit of success followed by more trying and learning until eventually we know enough to implement and measure our impact. The key to this process, said Sir Winston Churchill, is to go from one failure to the next without any loss of enthusiasm. Churchill saw two visions before him. One was of tyranny and oppression, and the other was of liberty and freedom. Which vision inspired him more? And the answer is neither. They both did. The huge task of understanding of withstanding against the internal negativity from his own people took its toll. The apathy, benign acceptance, and unbelief threatened his resolve more than the lurid leader of Nazi Germany. Here today, Jerry and I come to you via this radio and podcast with a vision of a better tomorrow, where no one stresses about food. Yet we are confronted by a stubborn and resilient social ill of hunger that is a scourge on our society. We see food insecurity as immoral, unacceptable, and beatable. Precisely how Prime Minister Churchill viewed fascism. Churchill had no real plan or blueprint, no true sense of his assets or allies, and plenty of naysayers and he was, of all things, imperfect. Sounds a lot like us. What Winston Churchill was, above all things, was willing and relentless. He had more clarity in both his visions of the future than those who would uproot him from his mission. He saw better beyond and before anyone else. In short, he was more stubborn than the problem and more committed than his external foe or his internal antagonist. The vision of a better tomorrow fueled him then as it does us today. I'm encouraged because Food for Thought is an example of seeing the problem of food insecurity through a different lens and connecting leaders from all sectors to see the challenge of food insecurity as one that they have a vested interest in solving. So we are pleased to have Dr. Tom Nelson, the CEO of Share Our Strength, here on Food for Thought today. Jerry and I will be right back with Tom. You come back and be with us. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. It's Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson is in the studio as always, CEO and president of Gleaners Community Food Bank here in Detroit. Jerry, thanks for being the co-host and uh, sharing your wisdom about this great mission. Well, I am so excited about our show today. 
I can't even tell you. So I'm going to turn it right back to you so you can introduce, uh, you know, what is one of the most impactful people and works that, that I know about. Uh, so it, it's, 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 uh, it is a real opportunity to have Tom Nelson here. He is the CEO for Share Our Strength, one of the great partners with Feeding America and particularly with those of us here in, uh, in the Feeding America Network in Michigan. Tom Nelson, the CEO for Share Our Strength. Uh, Tom, welcome to Food for Thought. Hey, it's great to be with you. I think this is going to be a, a love fest today because uh, <laughs> uh, together we're doing some pretty amazing work there in Michigan. Well, it's exciting. And um, you and I uh, got acquainted at a recent uh, Root Calls Coalition conference uh, where you served as a panelist. And um, when I listened to you in that panelist, I, I was texting Jerry and saying, hey, do you know Tom Nelson? Of course I know Tom. And, uh, and so we went all back and forth. And I said, okay, I'm going to get up to him and, uh, and get him, uh, see if we can't get him scheduled to be on Food for Thought. So Tom, tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit about you and how you you came to invest your one handful of life in this mission of food security for children? Well, I'm a little bit of a newcomer to this issue as compared to some of you have been really committing many, many years. Uh, I've been at Share Our Strength in this leadership role for about six years. Uh, and uh, before this, uh, my career has been in the nonprofit sector. Uh, the work at Share Our Strength is focused on ending child hunger in this country. My work before this was at the other end of the age spectrum. I was at AARP focused on the issues of seniors. Uh, I think the common thread is uh, really trying to give voice and advocate on behalf of those who often are marginalized or don't have voices. But I also say the best predictor of a good old age is a good childhood, and part of a good childhood is getting the food and nutrition you need. Uh, you, you're you're so exactly right. In fact, we've had some of our friends here, uh, Paula Cunningham, the uh, director for AARP here in uh, Michigan, and an outstanding leader in her own right. And you know, she she's sharing some of those very same thoughts with us that, you know, addressing uh, senior hunger really begins with childhood hunger. That's right. And childhood hunger is really about allowing uh, kids to ultimately achieve their potential. Uh, mm. to be successful in school, to be ready for a job, and to have that career path that sets you up for um, the, the latter chapter, the latter years of your life. You know, I'm, uh, I'm so impressed with how Share Our Strength continues to uh, focus on how do we do better, how do we do better, how do we do better. And one of the biggest advantages of being directly involved in programming with Share Our Strength is your commitment to measuring and to knowing what your impact is. And so I, I want you to talk a little bit about that path of, you know, it's not enough to do the good work, but you really have to know the impact that work is having. Well, Jerry, there's no, there's no better example than the work we do with you and the team at Gleaners. Uh, this food, this nutrition education program called Cooking Matters, uh, we not only track how many people we reach, but we actually go back and ask the participants who went through this educational experience, who maybe went with us to the grocery store to really fine-tune their shopping skills. We go back and ask them many weeks, many months later, what did you learn? Are you changing? Are you doing things differently? Are you shopping with a grocery list? Are you buying more fruits and vegetables? Are you able to stretch your dollars? So we've got the data that shows not only how many participants participate, but do people 
does the information stick and are they putting it to good use? Uh, it's a very concrete way of tracking um, the behavior change, if you will, from participating in something like Cooking Matters. And in fact, we find as uh, and just so uh, our our listeners know, so Gleaners is the statewide coordinator for Cooking Matters. So even though we're in Southeast Michigan, we help coordinate these efforts across the state. We have great partners like Michigan State Extension and the uh, United Way and um, uh, the YMCA on the west side of the state. And so we actually do this work around the state. And I want to tell us an unusual story of how we know that participants remember. Now, I see, Are we? do we need to take a break, Phil, or are we okay? You, you got about a minute and a half. All yeah. right, so this story won't take that long. So we actually had the members of my board of directors go through a Cooking Matters class where we brought out the, the, um, the same equipment we would use for anybody to teach them you know, knife skills and cutting board skills and how to how to prepare the ingredients ahead of time and and we made barley jambalaya, which is an awesome recipe from Cooking Matters and and why barley? Well, it's a whole grain, so it's a little bit better than white rice. I mean, all the things that that you teach people in these classes and hand holding. And we took one of my board members who had never used a chef's knife ever, and watched him cutting peppers. Right, mm-hmm. and so we asked him six months later. Well, are you still using it? He's like, every time I can. He's like, it was amazing to not have that skill and then to have that skill. And I only say this because... It's not just a matter of the people we serve not having the the education and the uh, the skill building of really learning what it is to cook and the joy once you learn it of being able to produce really good tasty food for the people around you. It is such a life building experience. So I know that's not the story you might expect, but it it changed the way my board thinks about this program, and I I can't tell you how much more they can support it because they've been through it. Well, you can find more out about Share Our Strength and Cooking Matters and the other programs when you go to strength.org. We've got Tom Nelson. He's the CEO and president for Share Our Strength. Tom, hang on. We want to bring you back for another segment. This is Food for Thought. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson. We'll be right back. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. We have Tom Nelson, the CEO and president for Share Our Strength here on Food for Thought. And uh, Tom, you've been with uh, Share Our Strength for about six years now uh, as its leader. And and so kind of what is your perspective about this issue of childhood hunger? What have you learned in these six years? Well, one of the things I've learned, which I did not know before, is that we've got a major issue of kids struggling with hunger in this country. In Michigan, it's uh, one in six kids struggle with hunger. That Mm. may mean that they're not sure where dinner's going to come from. And the meal they get may be lunch at school on Tuesday, and they don't eat again until lunch on Wednesday. So you've got an almost... uh, 340,000 kids in the state of Michigan that are struggling with hunger at some point during the year. So one, a big learning that we've got this issue in this country, which has huge implications in terms of a child's readiness and ability to learn, to succeed in school, and to stay healthy. 
But the second thing we want to talk about is it's absolutely a solvable problem. It doesn't have to be this way. That's exactly right. Well, as Jerry said uh, in between uh, segments here, that you're singing our song because one of the primary objectives of us doing this show on WJR is to change the conversation about food insecurity in the state and particularly to highlight that this is a solvable problem. And, you know, we are essentially the change that we've been waiting on. There's nobody coming after us. It's up to us, and we can get it done. Totally agree with you, and we're we're in fact we're in fact seeing it happen there in Michigan. I'll give you I'll give you one or two success stories. Uh, one of the the biggest issues is and it's it's what you know many of our mothers told us: if you want to be have a good day, you got to start with a good breakfast. Key thing to do. And so what happens is uh, children who participate in what's called the free and reduced lunch program Mm -hmm. are also eligible for breakfast. But unfortunately, far fewer kids participate in the breakfast program than the lunch program. Why? Because often it means you got to get to school early. Uh, You go to the cafeteria where the the uncool kids go. Right. Um, So a very simple solution is to move that breakfast out of the cafeteria, into first period. Mm-hmm. That's what together uh, we made happen uh, in Michigan, in, in Flint. Yes. In the city of Flint, we now have breakfast in the classroom, which means virtually all the kids that want or need breakfast are getting it. The implication of that is huge. Uh, we've seen, and we've got the data to show, if a child starts the day with breakfast, there's a strong correlation with doing better on standardized tests. And so if you want good academic performance, start your day with a good breakfast, and we can make that happen. Yeah, we, that is, an, I, in fact, I was at a conference with the Michigan Department of Education, and um, and the superintendent for the Flint schools and myself, we were both the presenters, and he, share, he shared about six programs. Four of them were in association with the, the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, which I thought was a great compliment. And, uh, but then he shared about the process of how to get breakfast before the bell, breakfast in the classroom, uh, in and throughout the Flint schools, and some of the struggles, obstacles that he encountered in order to make that happen. And he was so cool about how he did that. And he just let his teachers kind of rant and talk about, you know, it's going to mess up my classroom. It's going to be, you know, crumbs all over the floor and, you know, everything that all the objections they might throw. And then his response was always, is it good for the kids? Do you think this change will be good for the kids? And, of course, they said yes. And, you know, then they just kind of walked away sulking. <laughs> but I thought his leadership was was uh, was brilliant. And in partnership with No Kid Hungry, share our strength to make that happen in one of the neediest cities in America. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I don't know what the what what he would have said, but we have surveyed teachers across the country. And you described it accurately. Initially, a lot of nervousness. It's going to create mess. Uh, it's going to take away from instruction time. Mm-hmm. But we go back and we ask those same teachers six months later, how's it working? They love the program because what it means is the kids are settled down. They're ready to learn. Uh, you can actually even work some of the uh, food that shows up on their breakfast plate into a bit of a conversation about math. Uh, mm. uh, so <laughs> it becomes a learning tool 
and the kids are ready to learn. So consistently, teachers who've been nervous or resistant, once it's been in the classroom for a while, best thing that ever happened. You know, Tom, I think that Jerry made the point in the first segment that you guys at No Kid Hungry and Share Our Strength are so dedicated to uh, measuring impact. The fact that you go back to those teachers and ask that follow-up question, I think, gives tremendous credibility to everything you're doing, and particularly this program. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, if I can, let me highlight another area of really big need and, a, frankly, a success story uh, in Michigan. Uh, we talked about the fewer number of kids who participate in the breakfast program. Well, there's also a federal program to provide food uh, to kids in the summertime. But of the kids who are eligible, only 13% actually participate uh, in Michigan. Right. So. What's what's going on? Well, a couple of things. One, uh, it, it's, there's a fair amount of red tape that we're trying to get changed to set up a summer feeding site because kids aren't in school, so it's going to be Boys and Girls Club, Y, uh, or other community agencies. But then the second thing is that it, people may not know about it, and so you really need to mount a marketing campaign. <laughs> and the United Way there in southeastern Michigan had a great marketing program called Meet Up and Eat Up. Mm-hmm. And they really got the message out in the community, and they drove up participation big time. So we got to create more sites, which is happening, and we got to make sure people know about them. You know, I'm going to add just a little to that. Of course, Gleaners is a big partner with the United Way for Southeast Michigan on Meet Up and Eat Up and several other things, too, and we respect them a lot. And Sarah, who runs that for our state, is phenomenal, super smart. And Eric over at United Way is another really, really smart person. I mean, these are people who are top-notch people to be thinking about this problem. Brian Van Dorn is another leader in that in that whole program here in the state. Yeah. Brilliant. So we really feel good about the quality of people that we have thinking about this problem. And I think I think there's two things from, from what we've learned from the breakfast program we need to apply to this one. What you said before about um, is it good for the kids should be the primary uh, concern. And we know that one of the reasons why it's complicated to feed kids during the summer is because in order to feed kids, you have to feed families. And if we focus on getting people to come to locations, whether they're schools or community centers, and we don't address the issue of feeding the family who's making an extra effort to kid to get their kids there, I think we're going to continue to see participation problems. So I know the reason people want to just feed the kids is because the kids are the most innocent. They're the easiest to understand and the, and the ones where you say, we want to help them. We're not as sure about everyone else in the household. We know less about them. We're not as sure about that. But here's the thing. If you focus on feeding the families, you can provide an awful lot more meals for an awful lot less money per meal. So the bottom line is we think we can probably feed the whole family for the same amount of money as it costs to feed just the children. But it creates the question, well, wait a minute, do we, I mean, that that expands the audience from just the innocent children to people we don't know as much about. I know that's scary, but in the same way it was scary for teachers to serve breakfast in the classroom, I promise you six months after that change, people will be amazed at how much it helps. So I I know I'm making a really big pitch for a very complicated issue, 
But uh, but I do think we've got to put the question in front of us, what is best for the kids? And if we keep that plus the cost right in front of us, we are going to find a solution to feeding these kids over the summer. And I think it's really, really important. Tom, I'm going to get you to hang on for a response to Jerry's uh, uh, suggestion and, um, well, a little more than a suggestion there. But uh, I want you to hang on to that. We're going to bring you back after this break. Let's pay a few bills here on WJR. This is Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Tom Nelson's with us, the CEO and president for Share Our Strength. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we'll be right back in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Tom Nelson here, the CEO of Share Our Strength, is on the other line here at our WJR studio. And Tom, uh, Jerry makes a, a pretty uh, forceful argument or uh, a position for feeding the family during the summer and and uh, in order to reach the kids. And so, uh, you know, we're we're one of the values we have on uh, Food for Thought is that uh, we want to change the conversation about food insecurity, but we also are going to be innovative in our uh, in our development of projects and pilots. And at the same time, we're not going to defend something that isn't as effective as we think it should be. So we'd love to have your response. Yeah, no, I, I mean, geez, I don't want I don't want hungry people in this country of any age. So absolutely agree. I also would agree that, and I'm going to call it, you know, let's let's wrap it around the child. Uh, I think whether it's feeding the family or offering uh, enrichment activities during the summer, all of that makes it more attractive to get kids and to get the entire family to a site for feeding. Hmm. Uh, The challenge is that there are actually federal dollars available uh, that will cover the cost of feeding those kids. Mm -hmm. There are not federal dollars for the rest of the family. So we've got to be innovative at looking at how do we tie those dollars available to feed the kids during the summer with food and services for the whole family, with the kind of uh, innovative, clever, let's do it differently people like Jerry, I bet you can make that happen. So I I commend him for for thinking in a really creative way and trying to design a solution that will really respond to the family and to the greater need. I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, we find that in several areas where we have uh, resources available from the federal government, but we also have some policies that come along with them that really make our work of creating food security for any age group much harder. Even though we have the resources from them, we also have some policies that kind of work counterintuitive to those benefit dollars. So we appreciate the work that Share Our Strength is doing not only in just um, the actual, uh, you, you know, of all the programs you're doing, but you're very active in the advocacy world and, and standing in the gap for the children that are food insecure across Michigan and all across America. And my good friend Duke Storin is help leading some of those efforts with you, I think. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, we're we're mighty lucky to have uh, have Duke on the team, and I, I really appreciate what you're what you're pointing to. I think if we really want to change the game, change the system, 
advocacy's got to be part of it. I very briefly made a reference to uh, some of the the red tape that's involved in the summer feeding program hmm. that makes it tough for some organizations to create sites, or uh, it's basically built around what's the summer feeding program is basically built around what's called uh, congregate feeding, which means yes. the kids have to come and stay and eat the meal at the site. Well, it may be that it's easier for family to swing by and pick up food for the child. How do we create that kind of flexibility? How do we give communities throughout Michigan, some are urban, some are rural, let's create the kind of flexibility that's going to work in that community. Uh, frankly, we're having those kinds of conversations right now with folks at USDA Excellent. Uh, to see if we can't move in that direction. And I think the USDA is one of our best friends in this effort. I think they would love to see the system change. But it, I'm, I'm going to put it in this way. If you can't prove impact, the only thing you have left to prove is the people getting the food deserve it. You've got to be able to prove impact or you're going to hit the wall of, well, then if I don't know what the impact is, make sure only people that deserve it are getting it, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I really respect about Share Our Strength, many things, but one of the things that I really respect and admire about working with you is your insistence to prove impact. Did this work? How much did it work? Who did it work for? What is the scope of the problem? How are we going to get to the next level? What are the pathways of getting there? What are we going to learn on that path? And then how do we keep making it better? And I I, I just admire that. I, I really enjoy working with you all on those issues. And I think particularly with summer um, hunger for children, you know, we have got to keep pointing to the information that can make us better. I, I really appreciate that. And I mean, Two, two quick examples. Uh, we saw the data that shows that kids that get breakfast do 17% better on standardized math tests. Gosh, that's amazing. That's 17% is a big that's number. Impact. We saw that kids who are uh, struggling with hunger are 30% more likely uh, to end up hospitalized during their childhood. That's impact. Let's get them fed. Let's eliminate that struggle with hunger, keep them out of the hospital, and that reduces health care costs. So there there are clear relationships between kids getting the nutrition they need and what you're talking about, Jerry, in terms of impact. And more importantly, it's about the kids of this country achieving their potential. That's what we all want to see happen. And we depend on it, whether whether we want to admit it or not. And as you said, Food is plentiful and fairly inexpensive. So why accept a more expensive problem later when you can accept a less expensive problem now? There is no business person on earth that wouldn't get that. Well said. Well said. It just it doesn't make sense. And what's what's exciting is we're we're, we're making progress. Uh, since the No yeah. Kid Hungry campaign was launched and the amazing work of organizations like Gleaners, uh, we've seen a about a 30% reduction in the number of kids in this country struggling with hunger. It's partly due to an improved economy, but it's also due to the work of of gleaners and and other organizations. Wow, 30%. That is an amazing figure. Say that again for us, Tom. Yeah, the good news is we're making progress, as I say. Uh, There's been about a 30% reduction uh, in the number of kids struggling with hunger. Man, I love that. That is so encouraging. So, so let's keep it up and let's let's eliminate child hunger in this country. No reason it should exist and we're all paying the price. Absolutely. 
Great point. Hey, so Tom, one one other thing I want to bring up with you here on I'm looking at your website, nokidhungry.org. And um I so I'm gonna date myself a little bit, but and and uh our producer Mark Blackwell and uh Jerry, they'll all both understand this because we're of all similar age here. Um so I grew up watching uh Flipper and Lloyd Bridges. And I see on your website, you've got Jeff Bridges doing a, uh, a, as a national spokesperson, and I'm a huge fan. So tell me a, bit, a little bit about that relationship. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Bridges has been extraordinary as our national spokesperson. Uh, and what's, what's, what's a little bit unique, frankly, in the celebrity world, he's been working on this issue for over 30 years. Hmm. He was concerned about hunger in this country before he got connected to Share Our Strength. And he brings uh, an an authentic uh, commitment. Uh, He has talked to political leaders. He's talked in the press. He talks to to donors. He cares about this issue genuinely and wants to see us successful in ending child hunger. Uh, He's been an extraordinary champion for our work. Well, it's exciting to see Jeff involved with that, and it's exciting to have you on Food for Thought. And uh, we have to thank you for how you're investing your life and leading No Kid Hungry and Share Our Strength to, uh, to new levels of effectiveness and uh, proving impact all along the way. So let's, let's keep it up together, Tom. Uh, you've got a commitment from us, and we could not be more pleased than to work with, with you, Phil, and, and Jerry. You're making great things happen in Michigan, both getting the word out to people, but also changing the game and making sure kids get the food they need uh, to be successful. He's Dr. Tom Nelson. He is the CEO and president for Share Our Strength. He's been our guest today on Food for Thought. Jerry and I will be right back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Thanks for listening, everyone. Food for Thought here, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. That was Dr. Tom Nelson, the CEO and president of Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry. Um, Excellent partners in this work, Jerry. Obviously, he alluded several times to you and your team's intimate relationship and partnership with them. Um, So let's talk about that a minute. But then I want to pull out of you a little bit more about some of the points you, you make with Dr. Nelson. This is really important work to gleaners. Um, I believe it's really important work for our state. So as we continue to work directly with families, and and uh, and this isn't just true for us. There's, um, as I said before, uniquely gleaners. Um, manages this effort with cooking matters, particularly for the whole state of Michigan. And that was the structure that was set up. And so it's uh, the other food banks are very happy to have this as part of the offerings in their communities. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a very strong relationship with all of the food banks, too. Even though we coordinate the work, you know, all the other food banks are aware of it, are part of it, are helping with it and and establishing community partners and all those sorts of things. But that being said, what we believe is that uh, when we talked about, and you might remember this in one of our very first shows, we talked about the four uh, tools we have in our toolbox um, to solve hunger. And one of those is personal responsibility. Sure. Um, How many of us really know how to budget right and how to shop right? When you go and you get a coupon, you look at that coupon, it looks like a good deal, but is it? We walk people through step by step. It, it, the classes are 12 to 15 people. 
the the people we have teaching these classes are almost all volunteers. They're chefs and nutritionists who do this on their own time to help families walk through wow. this. It's a very low cost program. It's very compassionate. You know, it's not like you walk in and hear what somebody knows that you don't know. No, we're right. all in this together, right? So let's talk about how this goes. They get the groceries they need. They prepare whatever it is they're going to prepare in class. They try it themselves. They learn the knife skills. They 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 do the work themselves, and then we say. So here's this meal to take home. Try it, and next week come back and tell us how it went. Did your kids like it? Did your family like it? And over time now, um, years and years and years of doing this, the recipes that Cooking Matters has created are the ones that people actually like, that the kids liked. And so you end up with a very strong bench of things that you're pretty sure most people not only like but love. Wow. And it's healthy and it's reasonably priced. You learn how to stretch a pound of hamburger over several meals when, you know, if you don't know how to make that flavor come out and how right. to really make everyone feel like they got enough, well, you can spend an awful lot of money on fat and protein that, that you really don't need, right? Right. So, so Cooking Matters puts all that together into a six-week course hmm. and and people get through it and are changed and and the results are surveyed so we know people save money we know they cook healthier and it's over 70 percent of the people a year later are still using the skills they learned from those that's classes amazing. that's so, 70 hey, it's better than half my college math classes i promise you that <laughs> yeah, no doubt no doubt <laughs> So, so not to disparage college math, I'm just saying right, it, yeah. we know it works and we know people remember. And and so um, it's it's not the only thing we have to do to strengthen the families and the households that we work with, but it is a very important thing to do for those willing to do it. So um, the biggest mistake I make when I'm about cooking matters is I go to the grocery store to shop and I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. And it changes your whole mindset. Yeah, yeah. No question about so it. So now you're really susceptible <laughs> to, you know, you know, buyer beware and the marketing and the nudges that that are there. Um, so I want to I want to move you on for just a moment. You made a point to Dr. Nelson in a, in a fairly emphatic way that advocacy and policy have a, a huge portion to play in this mission of creating food security because while there are some resources available to feed children, there are policies in place that prohibit any of that food that's available to children being uh, available to the rest of the family. Now, as a result of that policy, we know that Meet Up and Eat Up and the summer feeding program that's reaching only 13% of the children that are eligible for free and reduced lunch in our state one of them it makes this program one of the most costly programs that the food banks are involved in right it's prepared meals it has to be prepared and and of course preparing meals is costly the other thing is the kids have to be monitored eating every part of the meal so if you have a sandwich a a carton of milk a piece of fruit and some vegetables let's just say that's the meal and you put it in front of a child who says you know i really only want the sandwich they have to take everything And so you watch these kids take everything and throw a third of it away. They just walk right over to the trash can and throw it away. Right. But the rules say this is how you have to do it. So now at the same time, you have adults there that are getting nothing. They get nothing, right? Because the rules say the kids can't give the food to anybody else. So so now you have people who would eat the food that's being thrown away on site. They're 
to get the food and you can't give it to them. I will tell you there isn't an organizer or coordinator of this work that doesn't feel sad. That doesn't shed a tear to see food get thrown away that could be eaten right now by people who are hungry, right? I mean, so that's there's there is so much. Now we understand why the rules are what they are because you don't want people cheating the system. You want to make sure if the money's supposed to go to kids that it went to kids. You want to make sure that nobody's circumventing that in some kind of way. But nonetheless, it is painful. It is painful to see when you're on site. Well, you know, it it it, it, it makes it costly. That's the thing. And we feel like we could distribute so much more food to so many more people who are food insecure without these um, policies that are essentially embedded in ideology. Right. No question. And even having people have to come every day when you could give them a week's worth of food and they would come once and the kids would get fed. But the issue is, well, can you prove it? Well, let us prove it. Let's figure out how to do that. Let's figure out what Tom said, what is best for the kids, and start there. Excellent. Thanks, Jerry. Great thoughts, as usual. It's time for a little food for thought. Winston Churchill said, Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. We are having some success at creating food security across our state, and we are learning how to do things better and smarter as we strive. Rest assured, we can use some encouragement, and if you have any, feel free to share it with us. You can reach out to us at foodsecuremichigan.org, download our podcast, and listen to us here each week on News Talk 760 WJR. Until next week, this is Dr. Phil Knight for Jerry Rasson asking you to remember, food first, folks, food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.